0: And welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by Alliance Insurance with me, Steph McGovern. This is the series where we look at what's happening in the world and how it might impact the insurance industry. There are plenty of episodes to listen to. We cover everything from under-insurance and open finance to the impact of supply chains. You can get them all online if you want to listen back. In this episode, we're talking about sustainability fulfilling the needs of current generations without compromising the needs of future ones, while, of course, insurance a balance between economic growth, environmental care and social well-being. Not easy, but important. So what does this all mean for the insurance industry? Well, with me to discuss this, Glenn Clark, who's Head of Strategy and Transformational Propositions at Allianz, and Joe Goddard, founder of Green and Good Consulting. Uh, thanks for joining me both. So Jo, can I just ask you a bit about
1: what you do first of all? Tell us about green and good. The green side is looking at the climate change and environmental sustainability impacts for businesses and help them navigate those, help them understand what they are and reduce their impact. And on the good side, we have everything to do with the social um, and ethical sustainability impacts that they need to look at.
0: What do we mean by sustainability? Because it is a word that is used so much now, isn't it? Everyone's saying we've got
1: to be sustainable. but what does it mean, Jo? Well, it means lots of different things, actually, and I find it a term that people use interchangeably. So it can mean environmental sustainability. So it does mean everything um, to do with climate change, which we we talk about a lot at the moment. But it does also include all of the social elements. So how we relate to people and our employees um, at work. But predominantly, we mean environmental sustainability. And so, Glenn, tell me, what does this all mean for the insurance industry?
2: The, the insurance industry is perhaps more acutely aware of uh, the impacts of climate change than perhaps any other industries, from the impacts of paying claims for natural catastrophe um, issues that are becoming more and more prevalent as uh, the climate changes. But I think also it's about understanding the world that our end customers live in and their approach to how they are going to kind of operate in a way that creates long-term value for themselves as a business, but also for the environment, their communities at large, and their customers and other stakeholders. And so I guess increasingly we're seeing that sustainable businesses are good businesses. And that is something that makes them attractive risks from an underwriting perspective, and is also something that we all need to take our
0: party. Joe, this can sound quite daunting, can't it? It's it's such a big aim. Like, where do you even start as a business?
1: Yeah, you're right. It is quite daunting. Um, and there's lots of different things going on and it's quite fast moving as well. So it's quite hard for businesses to think, oh, hold on a second, what, what do we need to do now? There's a new piece of legislation. What do we need to do now? And I think really what businesses need to start thinking about is first and foremost their own impacts on the environment and their own risks relating to climate change. And so the best thing that they can do, certainly small businesses, is start to think about their carbon footprint. So the energy that they use within their businesses through switching on the lights, using the computers, driving, that sort of thing, and how can they reduce that. So that's kind of the first thing that they need to think about. And then they think about, well, how does this impact then on our customers and those people who supply to us? So it's sort of either end then of their, of their businesses.
0: Yeah. And it can be as simple as those small things you're saying because they eventually all add up.
1: And I think that's really important for people to understand because so many businesses might think, well, actually, if if it's just me turning off the lights or, or reducing, how much impact actually does that have? But that's the nub of it. You know, it's everybody doing their bit. You know, we are all in this together. This isn't just for one business or for big business or for government to tackle. It's everybody all together doing their bit.
2: Uh, Probably there's a belief amongst many people that sustainability is somehow a cost to your business and something that is difficult to attain and not necessarily clear on why you should attain it in the short term. And, And I think with the current economic environment that we face, then really being able to help businesses understand. Why this is something that they should make part of their strategy in their business model and about why it's important to their stakeholders, why it's important to their staff, why it's important to their customers, how it can reduce costs, how it can strengthen your reputation. Are these things that perhaps need to be elevated, that this can be a positive source of change, not just to your green credentials, but also to your bottom line. That pragmatism, as well as the desire to make that broader contribution to, you know, a global issue, which can sometimes feel daunting, as you said, is something that will perhaps elevate this into something that's more front of mind day to day than perhaps something that's thought about periodically um, and maybe a bit side of desk.
0: Yeah, it's been my experience as a business journalist that we've gone from that kind of CSR box ticking to now actually... This will make a difference to who buys from you. This will make a difference to, you know, your supply chain. And that's what people underestimate,
1: don't they, Joel? Totally. I think there are so many opportunities in doing this now than there ever were before. But on the flip side, there's also loads of risk of not doing it. It's almost the worst thing is to do nothing at the moment. And that's why we need to demystify some of these daunting aspects because if people think oh gosh I I don't know what to do don't know where to start and it's going to be expensive then they won't do anything and actually that will be detrimental to their business.
0: Tell me a bit about those conversations you would have Joe, with a business that perhaps was either intimidated by it or worried about cost or just kind of ignorant to it I don't know what what do you
1: say to them? Yeah well all, all of those things I think are true and when we start talking to businesses we really are trying to understand what their business models are and therefore where both their risks and their opportunities are. And I think this is really particular to the insurance industry, because brokers especially are the middle part of our puzzle. And they're so, so important that they understand what these risks are for their clients, so that their clients aren't underinsured, for example, have the right understanding of what impacts are coming down the line in in terms of climate change. I mean, we've had such um, understanding of that over the summer with the drought, you know, and how that has impacted both on domestic and commercial properties in terms of no no water, cracks appearing, all of that kind of stuff. And then the flooding that of course subsequently happens. So it's all of these things that we try and help businesses understand so that they can start thinking about not only what they need to do for protecting their own business, but how they can help clients going forward.
0: Glenn, did you want to add to that just from that broker's perspective then about them being that middle person?
2: I think it's obviously extremely important that brokers understand their end client's businesses. And for some of these um, sustainability issues, some of them can perhaps feel a little bit long term. I think there's this phrase called hyperbolic discounting, where it's easy to think and not prioritise stuff that seems far, far away. But I think what we're seeing in terms of different forms of legislation that are going to come in that's going to affect property owners and landlords and also fleet owners in terms of how they manage their vehicles and so on and so forth, that there are Things that are actually not that far away now that end customers need to start thinking about, need to start to, the the brokers need to start understanding where they are on their progress towards these sustainable goals and how insurance partners like ourselves can help their end customers on that journey to making sure that they are not just compliant, but also deriving maximum business value from the initiatives that they progress.
0: Do you have any examples, Glenn, of those kind of conversations that brokers would be having with clients around this?
2: Uh, a couple of good examples. If you think about the government's desire to eliminate the sale of pure uh, internal combustion engine vehicles by 2030 and hybrids by 2035. In commercial fleet terms, that's a couple of renewal cycles away from your fleet looking like something that it's looked like for many, many years to something that's going to look quite different in terms of it needing to be a kind of electric drivetrain. And and some businesses are starting to move early on these things because their environmental credentials might be at the very forefront of what their brand is about, whilst others might be just slow, starting to understand what that might mean. And so, uh, one, it's important that people are starting to plan ahead. Do they understand what the kind of functional requirements of their vehicles are? Do they understand what alternatives there are to combustion engine vehicles and what that market is looking like? Do they understand the insurance implications of moving to different types of vehicles and other operational considerations around charging and so on and so forth? And then on the property side, much the same thing, where there is a whole raft of in play and proposed legislation that's looking at the energy performance certificate levels that uh, commercially let buildings must attain, which are quite aggressive. And, and the UK is, it has a, an old building stock compared to other European countries. And we, we do have a lot of buildings out there that are going to struggle to meet the requirements that future legislation is going to require. And property owners need to start thinking about the changes that they're going to make to those properties. They need to consult with their brokers and insurers that those changes are going to be insurable and safe and sustainable. And these are the type of discussions that we probably need to start having now.
0: There's so much that brokers need to know, isn't there? There's like a lot of thinking ahead to the future about the changes that are coming down the line, whether it's legislative or just in terms of trends and things. So, Joe, what would you say are the key things brokers need to know about sustainability? That they, you know, if, if you're going to know anything, guys, this is what I would want to know if, if I was talking to my clients about mm. it.
1: Climate change, particularly, isn't going away and it's getting worse, which means that there's going to be more and more legislation and regulation. And what we do know is that the longer that you leave it, the worse it will get. Um, They also need to know that there are so many things that their clients will be thinking about and they have to try and simplify it for them so that they can offer the appropriate insurance But I do think that all of those things that Glenn's mentioned about the housing stock in this country does need to be upgraded significantly and also around fleets. And those two things are particularly important because of this net zero goal that we have in the UK. And again, that's not going away. It might even come closer towards us at the moment. The UK's net zero goal is 2050 that might come closer towards us, a bit like we've seen the changing legislation around EV cars coming closer towards us. And that's, again, because we realise things have got to happen sooner rather than later so really the point about net zero is that that means that we have to get much more efficient we do unfortunately have these terribly inefficient building stocks that need to be changed also because of the governance regulation but because of also what their businesses their supply chain their customers are saying around net zero as well we know allianz has announced net zero goals and so have many larger businesses and in fact larger businesses now will have to report and publicly disclose what their net zero plans are from next year so that means the pressure for them on them which is it's a big thing to to announce that because we have to include all of their value chain emissions so that will start coming down to those smaller businesses the pressure will be put on them to understand what net zero is to understand what they're doing and that does go down to the ev level ev car level
0: so glenn tell me a bit about this from Alliances' perspective then in terms of you know what the priorities are in delivering sustainability what they've done already
2: it manifests itself in a few different ways to refer back to what joe talked about earlier in terms of You know, the first thing is obviously making sure you focus on what you can directly control, your own operations. And so we've done all sorts of work globally and locally in the UK about how we're reducing our own emissions of our own operations. And so that we are supporting that transition, not just from our own actions, but also through those of the companies that we work with. from having a net zero investment portfolio by 2050. And I think more recently, which was encapsulated at COP26 in the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, brought together seven kind of Net Zero alliances across the financial services spectrum, which are bringing people from the, the banking environment, the investment environment, the insurance environment, together towards supporting long-term goals. And so Alliance was a founder member of the Net Zero Insurance Alliance. And, and what that's going to commit us to it's not just going to commit us to achieving environmental targets for our own business and for our own supply chain and our, you know, Scope One, Two, Three emissions as they're called, but also the carbon intensity of our underwriting portfolio, where we will commit to having a net zero underwriting portfolio by 2050, where and we will have targets set. Uh, from next year that will set a 2030 target and then interim five-year targets all the way through to 2050. So that changes the game entirely because now it's not just about what we can control, this is also about the carbon intensity of our underwriting portfolio. And so over time, the carbon intensity, the environmental credentials of the end clients that we have had going to have are going to become an underwriting criteria to greater or lesser degrees. And that means that it's going to be absolutely imperative for the insurance industry to support customers on their pathway to net zero so that we can support a trust transition and achieve the kind of global goals that we all want to set. And I think that one point is that it's not just insurers, it is investors, it is banking, everyone's starting to consider these things. And so this is an issue that for a business to be thinking about where it wants to be in its industry sector, this is going to be an issue where it is going to be financially worthwhile being ahead of rather than behind the curve on because you are going to get access to better uh, rates and finance, you're going to get access to better insurance premiums, you'll be able to uh, achieve winning more contracts from a larger business. So that ability to really think about carbon management as a key part of your business strategy going forward will pay dividends because the, the markets around you and what your staff will want, what your consumers will want, will be much more preferential towards businesses that are ahead of the curve on these issues. And it's not just the environment, it is also those kind of social issues. It is about diversity and inclusion. It is about making sure you understand where all of your goods in your supply chain come from. It's much broader. It's about businesses being responsible and really understanding the full spectrum of their impacts. And that's what we need to create a market for, that we want good businesses, good sustainable businesses to enjoy the benefits of being sustainable.
0: And it's as Joe, you said at the beginning of all this, you can't do nothing now, can you? Because that would be detrimental to your business. I think that's
1: it. You know, we call that it's the value at risk for those businesses um, is very clear of doing nothing. And Glenn's really summed it up so well there that it is, of course, for those businesses and those brokers to think about their own operations and and what they're doing, but also to think about their place within the marketplace. And think about what their customers are doing around their own net zero targets and fitting in with those so that they are a preferred supplier and that they're setting their own targets and communicating those. That's a really important thing to do, to really talk about what they're doing and to advertise it on their on their websites. So making sure that they are front of mind when customers are thinking about choosing brokers and choosing suppliers.
2: I would say one other thing just to add on to that. I think practical information to businesses about what these benefits are and perhaps the global businesses are under more um, stakeholder pressure to evidence their progress on ESG-related matters. But nonetheless, I was struck by some accentuaries on responsible leadership that said that companies with a high rating for ESG performance enjoy average operating margins 3.7 times higher than businesses with lower ESG credentials. And that's not just about big global businesses. That's all businesses at large because a small business is just a microcosm of a a large business in terms of its customers and its local communities and its stakeholders and its staff. You know, we see that there's probably quite a lot of people who might be aware of sustainability of an issue, but there's increasingly less business owners that have it as part of their strategy and even less that have it as part of their business model. And so encouraging people to do this is something that can help create the, the right environment for people to want to progress, to see the value in making these commitments and to do it for their bottom line as much as any other reason
0: the thing that strikes me glenn as well is that we are seeing generationally that sustainability is an absolute priority in the younger generations even more so than the older do you think that's changing the focus of business then is it a case if you don't do it now you're going to leave half of your staff behind who are the generation who are saying this is their number one
2: now I think it's a, a really important point. I mean, we're all getting older and that Gen Z generation is getting older and they're becoming business owners themselves. They're becoming consumers with greater spending power. Um, they're becoming employees, skilled employees that are thinking about the kind of companies that they want to work for as well. And so I think one of the most important aspects around having strong ESG credentials is that ability to be able to make sure you can attract the, the highest quality people to your business, that they understand what you stand for. And if they can get behind that, they will. I I think there was um, was various surveys just talking how important this is becoming uh, from a consumer perspective about who I buy from and from an employee perspective about who I work for. And so we shouldn't underestimate that. It is a tight labour market, it is there is a battle for talent. And if, if you want to win that battle, then ESG considerations are gonna be pretty high at the pecking order in terms of what the next generation of employees and business owners are thinking about.
0: So to wrap things up then, Joe, can you just give me kind of your summary of what you want people to take away from this?
2: Um, I
1: want them to take away that climate change is really important and doing something now is also very important and that any small changes are very important because they add up to bigger changes. Glenn,
2: It's just about business owners and brokers talking to business owners, being conscious about this issue, starting to think about what their plan of action is going to be. What are the small things that I can do immediately? What are the important things that I need to do for my customers? What do my customers and suppliers care about? And how is it that I'm going to make the right decisions at the right moment in time to progress through this in a way that will generate business value over the long term? It's worth thinking about now. It's worth planning about it. It's worth talking to advisors like brokers and insurance partners and starting to get comfortable with this rather than putting it on the back shelf and uh, I'm more worried about keeping the lights on right now because of the economic situation I face and things like that. You know, it's always easy for short term issues to take precedent, but just take the time to think about what the long term value of, my, of all this might be.
0: That is an excellent point at which we can end this, Glenn. Thank you very much. Thanks to Joe Goddard from Green and Good Consulting and Glenn Clark from Allianz. Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app and then you'll never miss an episode. Also, we would love it if you left a review for us as well. Thanks so much for listening. That's it from me, Stefan Govan and
2: Alliance Insurance. Bye-bye.